Hey everybody, welcome to the in between. We are um in Daniel six, but before we get to Daniel, um, we're also at a very meaningful time in our church. It has been at this point, I think, a hundred and fifty six days since we've had two services. Wow. And this Sunday will be the first Sunday. It'll be 160 days on uh, Sunday, I think, since the last time we had two services. And it will be the first time this Sunday that we are having two services again. So very exciting. There was a there was an actual audible celebration that happened on Sunday whenever we announced that. Um there were two two audible celebrations on Sunday that I heard very clearly. One of them was when Paul said that Chris was back, which was awesome. And then the second one was when Chris said that we were going to do two services starting next Sunday. And both were emphatic, I would say. Um, it's just... I it, Paul kind of threw that out for the applause, though, with the... And, and Chris is <laughs> back. Oh, oh. Oh, no, that's oh, not... This is fun. That's not how that went. It was it was it was quick and it happened very decisively. It was not prompted by the big signs that say applause or anything like that. That's right. That had no influence. That had no influence on everyone. They were not looking at the TVs at that point. Um, no, it was great because I think you know any right now any steps forward just feel like big old leaps. There's so much going on. It's just crazy, isn't it? It really is. So are y'all looking forward to two services? I think one of the things when Rebecca's team was first talking about it, that was, you know, at least more exciting for me was at least talking about the, which demographic, you know, kind of was missing out the most um, from kind of our current plan. I mean, we know everybody's kind of having to sacrifice things or not do things the way they would want to do things, but, uh, just the idea of, of knowing that there was a lot of young families that we were getting feedback from who would have loved to been there in person, but just couldn't have been because they have young kids and the idea of having to ask, um, or being even able to have young kids be there for an hour, uh, of a sermon or of worship and, and whether it would be distracting, uh, for the kids or for the parents that the parents wouldn't be able to do anything because they would just be honoring the kids the whole time or whether they were worried about any other concern. I think just being able to start something to open up for that demographic, you know, seemed, seemed exciting, seemed like, okay, another step towards normalcy for the, you know, group of people who are mis- seemingly missing out, um, that we were getting feedback that was missing out the most. From the ministry perspective, it's exciting, just like it was, I guess, eight years ago when we started doing or whatever, or whenever that was, a long time ago when we started doing two services. Mm, 2015. I have, I have really gotten used to one service. It's nice. <laughs> Definitely easier. <laughs> Uh, I, yeah, easier is easier is one thing. It's also, uh, I mean, there's something about two services that uh, it, it feels a lot like you know you're you're experiencing deja vu every yeah. week. But then there's also the like the 
wait, who did I have this conversation with? And what <laughs> people ask me all the time, what service somebody normally comes to. I'm like, I have no idea. Like yeah. it, that's I a, can't tell them apart. That's a fluid thing for me on Sunday. <laughs> it's definitely different. It creates a different Sunday experience. Yeah. So good or bad. I think it's harder, but I think it's, Obviously, we think it's worth it, um, or we wouldn't have done it at the beginning. We certainly wouldn't now, but it's it's a <laughs> it is an exciting potential. Um, so, you know, I think it's a it's going to be cool. I, I haven't looked at the numbers yet this morning to see how many registrations, but it didn't look like there was a ton last night. So we'll that may that may change quite suddenly near the end, though near yeah. the the way that yeah. plays. And as people hear about it, know about it. And, and I was also just, you know, again, that those little signs of encouragement was encouraged, uh, that, you know, Rebecca's team, that Jared, they were able to get the, uh, the, you know, people to serve, uh, to be able to get kind of classrooms filled. Cause I know it not only represents, you know, the normal amount of people that we, that would be required, um, to do preschool, uh, ministry and open up all those classrooms, but then even additional help. Um, because they're doing a lot more of kind of, again, the, the checks and the health stations and um, different things when cleaning. it comes to the, even the greeting and, uh, and the cleanings of things. And so even the fact that, uh, you know, their, their team felt confident that there was going to be um, enough, enough people to, to serve and to, to work in all those different areas, uh, that, that, was, that was encouraging because it's, it's one thing, you know, again, just to, to come back and just kind of sit in a, uh, in a service and then watch, you know, everybody else kind of on stage do stuff. But then it's like any opening, opening up any other building outside of our sanctuary requires a lot more effort and work, uh, than it does just on a Sunday morning. So the fact that their teams were able to do that was also encouraging. Yep. Very encouraging. And then on top of that, um, we also announced on Sunday that, uh, life groups were going to be starting up and we were going to be trying to do, Wednesday night life groups instead of the big Wednesday night. And, um, that worked out really well. I know, I know we were, we were headed that direction anyway, but, um, to, um, you know, inside of this COVID to have that be another bonus, you know, thing that, that we're not going to try to meet in another big group, um, on another day of the week. Uh, but we were instead already looking at doing smaller groups, for Wednesday night, um, just to encourage again, discipleship, um, pushing deeper. That's, that's really exciting to me. I, I'm, I'm very excited about uh, life groups starting up again and the, the opportunity that those afford. I thought you were going to plug your own. That one's not exciting to me. (laughs) Especially after I heard all the other ones that are going on, I was like, how did I sign up to teach when there's a, you know, three other life groups that I want to go to at the same time? (laughs) Dad, gum it. Well, I felt the same way about yours. So somehow figure out how to attend yours. I'll be good. Okay. So if you're listening go online those lists the lists are there this registration's there it's all ready to go um all right so let's talk a second guys about this we're we're in daniel six 
So certainly I'm going to have to reference this. If we start naming famous, what we'll call stories, that can confuse people because it then it sounds like Mother Goose, but famous stories from the Bible, where does Daniel, Daniel being in the lion's den rank in there? Is it, is it top 10? I mean, Noah in the ark. Yeah, it's definitely under Noah in the ark. I mean, David creation, if you, if you count creation, that's yeah. gotta be one of the top ones. Um, I mean, you got Jesus walking David. on water. Yeah. But I'll bet if you said, if you went to people and said, name five stories out of the Bible, aside from all the wrong ones that you would get. When George Washington chopped down the cherry tree. (laughs) (laughs) Apocryphal. Yeah, I got to imagine that it's like David and Goliath and then the lion's den. Like that's, that seems to me like it's got, it, it may not be first, but it's got to be in the top three of what's, mm. what's listed. So what's weird about that, of course, when we look at it is the whole part about Daniel being in the lion's den is like three verses. Yeah. His experience while being in the lion's den is one verse. There's not, <laughs> there's not much to say. <laughs> Nothing really happened that night. <laughs> I just, it's a little bit of that, 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 we've talked about this many times. The three of us have talked about this many times, like with the mighty men and the, you know, the lion in the snowy pit and stories like that in the Bible where you're like, we, we really needed an investigative reporter to be present to ask some follow-up questions. Yeah, we needed Luke. Exactly. So, you know, so Daniel, what it, but what was it like? in there was it i mean was it scary was it and i'm going to show paint some paintings medieval era paintings i have a favorite one from that era um for different reasons but i just i would love to to know like were there lots of lions or just a couple was it dark in there like completely pitch black dark the whole night and you could just feel lions moving around and like this, I would like to know. This is what I picture, by the way. <laughs> Showing a okay, picture of my back. son laying on my dog, just chilling. He, okay, send me that so I can use that. He's Sunday. I, I looked up, I, I was putting on my shoes and I looked up and I was like, what you doing, Cade? <laughs> uh, laying down. But it's, it's it, you, it could be so all over the place. I mean, it's like, the language that an angel came and shut the mouths of the lions was like, and the angel stay there all night holding the lion's mouths closed. And where they fight, was just trying to resist the angel or was it more like the angel was like, uh, uh-uh, guys, nope, zip it. And then went away. And then they couldn't open their mouths. Cause I mean, they still got big old claws. Yeah. Cause mouths, mouths the only dangerous part. It's easy to, to think like, Oh, well they, they, I guess they just weren't hungry. You know, like the, try to try to explain miracles away. It's a it's a common thing for sure. Um, but then the way that the lions react to other people <laughs> being thrown into the pit is is not a I'm not hungry situation. Yeah. No, it's more like I was already hungry and then I just had to spend another night not eating this really delicious <laughs> looking thing. 
pretty pretty awful. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, I think it's it is it is such a fascinating story and such a fascinating account. And but but once again, the Bible gives us so little detail beyond this beyond the role of the protagonist, which was to protect Daniel. And yeah. that was the protagonist did his job. He protected Daniel. We don't need to know all those details as much as I would love to. It, it certainly, when we've, again, I know this is something we've talked about too, is it, it really, when, when I was raised on the imagery unintentionally, I don't know that anyone ever taught this, but the imagery of heaven being a boring place. I mean, even just hearing these stories told by the people who lived them out, I mean, getting to go to see Daniel sitting on a stool on a stage with a mic and several million people in the room as he, as he, you know, recounts the, the night in the lion's den. I mean, that's, that's gotta be a seminar. I mean, that's gotta be a show in the new Jerusalem that you buy tickets for. I mean, it's, it's a, <laughs> and, and I just, all of a sudden, how could it possibly be boring? Even just if all we had were the accounts in the Bible and people fleshing those out, those details out, their personal experiences. Mm. Um, man, that would just be, even just that would be fascinating for millennia. That, that would not get tiring for a long, long time. Mm. Um, and of course they all had, I mean, we have, we've had six chapters on a man's 90 years he has a whole other life to talk about, a whole lifetime of experience that he could talk about as well. Well, and all the people that aren't in the Bible. Yeah, exactly. Much, much less including all the millions of people who their stories are worth hearing too. Anyway, it's yeah. going to be fascinating. Um, so I'm going to just barely mention this, but this will be a special bonus for the podcast people. <clears throat> I spent several weeks um, trying to communicate with uh, oh, which group was it? It's a it's a local Tiger Creek. Tiger Creek. Um, yep, Tiger Creek. And have some emails going back and forth with them, trying to figure out how I could be in a maybe in a cage with a lion in a video to talk about some of this. I've seen uh, I've seen big cats at at the zoo, um, and yeah. th- this is just a little plug for Tiger Creek, I guess. Um, I've seen big cats at the zoo. We took our kids to Tiger Creek one time, and there's literally uh, like a, a chain link fence between you and a you know tigers and lions. Um, uh, they have both, and just watching these big cats like pace with very little in between you and them. And I, I was never scared. It wasn't anything like that, but it was like awe inspiring yeah. to be that close to something that powerful, like without the normal protection, I guess that would be there. And it was, again, it wasn't unsafe. I never felt like, Oh gosh, it's going to get out. But it, it's like you, when you can hear it breathing, um, like that's that's a totally different thing. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to decide if I'll have time. I guess I'll see in the sermon to tell the story about the. We were Ginger and I went on a trip to um, Fossil Rim. Yeah. I, really <laughs> cool. 
I remember Fossil Rhythm. Who they had getting, um, who was being rehabbed, had gotten injured, was being rehabbed in this little cage, about a 40-foot by 20-foot cage. And uh, when we got off the little bus, one of the people on the bus was a four-year-old boy who jumped, just jumped off the bus and just went scampering. And the minute he got off the bus, the cheetah could ignored everybody else present. And its eyes were fixed on that boy. And we were all watching it because we all saw it happening. And it hid behind a bush with the boy there. And it hid where the boy couldn't see it. And at one point, the boy ran about the most of the 40-foot length of the cage. There's a sidewalk running down it. <clears throat> and when he was about two feet from the end, the cheetah started from 40 feet away. And it, it beat the kid to the end of the cage with a, you know, like skidding into the fence right where, the, where it would have intersected exactly with the little four-year-old boy. We were like, dude. Stopped. When I looked it up on YouTube, I found a number of those videos because I thought about just using a YouTube video, and it turns out either they were too cheesy with some lion whisperer who's, you know, hugging his lions, or they were shots like that of a lion stalking a child and then hitting a fence or a glass window or something at the last second. And I was like, I think this might scare children. Right. <laughs> was it YouTube or Netflix? Were you were you watching Tiger King? Is that what you were watching? <laughs> no, I would. Uh, the tigers and the lions scare me a lot less than the humans in that <laughs> show. So, oh my gosh, there you go. Anyway, yeah, it's just a different thing, and to think that he was down there all night with them and I mean he he's unfazed his his response to them king in the morning is not one of panic and like get me out of here fast cuz I've been terrified all night yeah no I'm I'm fine well and the one who's troubled again is uh, for a different reason, seemingly, but uh, it's the king. Yeah. You know, we, we ran across this time and time again with Nebuchadnezzar's uh, various dreams and situations where he was the one that was troubled. Um, and so here again, Darius is is the one that is up all night, worried. Um, he's the one that's kind of upset and troubled at this, but he's upset now at him, kind of at himself, not at um, the situations that are going around, which is, I think, again, just super interesting to the testimony of Daniel, that Daniel has the impact and the affluence that um, that even Darius would be the one that's, you know, not, oops, I made a mistake. Oh, well, we'll let that one kind of slide and I won't have, I'll have one less advisor, but no, he's, he's you know, clearly troubled and, and moved by his own mistake for now where, the situation where Daniel's put into because, um, because he can't, he can't re, re reverse the law. He can't just kind of change it on his own. So he's got to watch this thing play out. And, and he's, he's the one who's hopeful that Daniel's God will save him. Uh, and he's the one that's troubled to see the result of it. Um, and it's like, he's, he's going through all this while Daniel's not, Daniel's not, seemingly troubled by this in this passage he's not the one worried about if god will save him or not he's just kind of nope this is 
this is it. I think I heard a long time ago that it was like, uh, you know, it's, it's Daniel's, Daniel's faithfulness that gets him in trouble and Daniel's faith that gets him out of it. <laughs> I love the, I love the end of six, um, which harkens back to the end of, uh, four. Yeah. The end of four. Um, because Darius, Darius and Nebuchadnezzar both, after these um, times of impact with Daniel um, and the the faith of Daniel and the faith in the God of Daniel, and then the the impact that that having having Daniel there to tell them who is, is the protagonist, I guess, inside of it, turns them. This is one of those um, or two of those, I guess. Um, uh, moments like you've you've talked about, uh, Chris. The very very few times do you see someone's actions inspiring um, someone else to worship? And this is these are two of those moments where Darius, um, at the end of six, says, "You know, I'm going to issue a new decree now, and everyone in my dominion has to tremble in fear before the God of Daniel, um, for He is the living God." He endures forever. His kingdom will never be destroyed, and his dominion has no end. He rescues and delivers. He performs signs and wonders in the heavens and on earth, uh, for he has rescued Daniel from the power of the lions. Um, and it's just like that. This dude doesn't know God until he meets Daniel. Right. And I feel like it's, I mean, it's always just super intriguing, the, the concept of, of comfort that this would be to the Israeli people. And so, I mean, here you are as a captive in a foreign nation, the greatest nation that has ever been seen, um, you know, wonders and likes and powers that, you know, can't, can't be compared to any other kingdom, you know, and, and here that's, that's who is over them and captive of them. Uh, and, and for for them to maintain again a faith in a God who is bigger than even that, to hear those same captors now coming to praise God and to say things like, I mean, it's got to be these decrees, these public decrees. I imagine are are immensely comforting um, to the people who are who are remaining faithful and still you know still praying towards Jerusalem, being mindful of you know again the return one day when God's timing was, would be fulfilled in this. I feel like that. And, and then this will lead into the, the, our next section section. When we start begin talking about prophecy, um, the, the comfort that comes from, uh, the prophecy sections, uh, is something I feel like, again, that probably if, if you forget the original audience, you forget the captives, uh, it's probably something that this, that is easily missed in this book. Um, but there, are, there really are some wonderful and amazing comforting aspects uh, to Daniel and to, to his story. Yeah. And in, yeah, that's so good. You're pouring your coffee next to the microphone, Chris. <laughs> um, yeah. So at, you know, when, when we're, when we're going through these stories, when we're, um, remembering these stories as we walk and as we sit and as we lie down, and as we get up and all of that, um, be comforted with the same comfort, um, 
that God used to comfort uh, the Israelites and Daniel and even Darius 